Praise be to God. We are grateful we can come before the presence of God Almighty, especially on the Lord's Day. We are grateful that God opened up the doorway for us to be able to worship Him. Okay? And it's not hard. I'm glad we can just come inside the church and come before the Lord our God. I'm glad that God did say, if anyone wants to come into my temple, if anyone wants to worship me, if anyone wants to come into my presence, you must buy 1,000 pesos ticket outside. I'm glad God didn't say that. I'm glad God says that a new and a living way has been opened up to us through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The price was paid so that you and I today might come before the presence of God Almighty. We are in the presence of God Almighty today. Amen? We are meeting with God even as God has been anxiously waiting for us, yearning to be with us. He's looking for the day when heaven and earth will become one. Today, there is a separation between heaven, heaven and earth. One day, there will be a new heaven, and there will be a new earth, and there will be no more separation. Amen? Uh, today, we're talking about the goal of personal salvation. The goal of personal salvation. And uh, before anything else, let me just give you what I believe is the lesson that the Holy Spirit is wanting to pass on to us this day. It is this. Hold fast the blessings which God's grace made available to you. Hold fast the blessings which God's grace made available to you. One more time. Hold fast the blessings which God's grace made available to you. We have often heard the word grace means unmerited favor. That means favor, that means blessings, uh, good things that God has given us, not because we deserve it, okay? But because he's good. It also means the, the willingness of God to use his power in our behalf. God is willing to use his divine power in order to help us, in order to deliver us, in order to heal us, in order to make our lives better. Amen? We're grateful for the grace of God. We know that there are problems, we know that there are testings, we know that there are trials that we are going through. And we've gone through some of them, some of us might be going through some of them, and later in the future, we might be going, uh, we might experience these things. But we need to understand no matter how bad the situation is, okay, no matter how hopeless things look like, because of the grace of God, there will always be opportunities for us. Amen? So we need to uh, understand this church. Uh, for example, in the first reading today, we find how that God speaking through Isaiah, saying to the people there, I hate your sadness. I despise your sacrifices, your new moves. And you know, you, you read that and you begin to think, well, how come he hates it? He's the one who gave it to them. Who was the one who told them to worship him during the Sabbath. It was God. 
He gave the law to Sabbath to Moses so that Moses could give it to them. Who taught them how to sacrifice bulls and goats for their sins? It was God. God communicated that to Moses, and Moses gave it to them. Who taught them about the new moons uh, that will start the new month and this things and this that? You know, the, the nation of Israel still today celebrate the feast that God has given to them. Okay, we have our own feast. For example, we we are awaiting the coming of the season of Christmas, right? For that, there's going to be Advent. The Jews, they have Passover, they've got Pentecost, they've got the Feast of Tabernacles, and things like that. And God is saying, I kind of hate all of these things. And you would think, why would God hate these things? He was the one who gave it to them. But if, if we carefully study this and reflect on this, it's not that God hates the ceremonies, uh, the rituals, the shadows of things to come that he communicated to them. But it's in the way that they celebrated this. They would come uh, before God unrepentant of their sins. They would come before God and they would not even think twice of doing the wrong thing, violating God's commandments. And then they would be going through the movements of worship. They thought that if we would just do the actions required of us in worship, if we would just give the sacrifices that are required of us, then that would make God happy. He's not going to look at what we're doing. He's not going to look at our sin, you know. They thought that going through the outer gestures, the outer actions, and saying the right formula of words, they thought that was a substitute for obedience and repentance. It was not so. And God was saying, when, I, when you come here and you offer the sacrifice, I expect you to come with a repentant heart. I expect you to come with a heart that is ready to worship me. I expect you to come with a heart that is ready to give yourself in. But you don't care about these things anyway. You know, you, you're, you, you've just violated my commandments. If you've got plans of violating them, and you're thinking that if you just go through the Sabbath, if you just do the sacrifices, if you just observe the feast, then it would shut me up. And God is saying, no, I'm not, I am not after outward actions only. I am after the inward actions. Hello? And it might be difficult for them in the beginning, but you know what? We are people living in a new covenant. According to the book of Hebrews, we have a better covenant that is based on better promises. God was dealing with people whose hearts have not been changed. Amen? But the moment we have placed our faith in God through Jesus Christ, the Bible says it He takes out our hearts of stone and puts in his own heart, a heart of flesh within us. Uh, so much so that Corinthians says to us, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a what? A new creation. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. God took away our sin nature. And God placed within us his own life and his own nature. There is a desire 
to want to worship God. There is a desire to want to do the things of God. Amen? So I would understand in the Old Covenant, uh, God would be facing people like that. But we are now in the New Covenant because of the grace of God. God has transformed us from within. Amen? And all we have to do, according to the Holy Scriptures, is cause that which is on the inside to be seen and manifested on the outside. Hello? I mean, it's not as hard for us as it was before. In the Old Testament, their sins were only covered for one year. There is an expiration date for them. When, when you sacrifice a bull and a goat for your sins, it's only covered for one year. And if after one year uh, passes, then you've got to do it again. And if you don't do it again, then your sins are uncovered. If your sins are uncovered, then judgment comes to you. Okay? But in the New Testament, when we come to the Lord and we've stumbled and fallen before and we confess, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have done, I'm really sorry. Forgive me of my sins. The blood of Christ is applied to our sins. You know what he does to our sins? He erases them. He deletes them. Okay? He makes our sins go away. They're not just covered. They're gone. You understand? Amen? And not only that, God says, I will forgive your sins and your lawless deeds. I will remember no more. God will forgive us and God will totally, absolutely forget the sin that we have confessed before Him. Can you imagine that? I think about that and you say, how, how, how can God forget? I mean, He's God, right? One of the qualities of God is He is omniscient. That means He knows everything. The Bible very clearly tells us nothing can be hidden from God, right? How can He forget? I don't know how. He said He'd forget it. Isn't that what He said in the book of Hebrews? Your lawless deeds I will remember no more. So you need to understand. You may remember what you have confessed before God, but as far as God is concerned, the moment He forgives you and erases that sin, it doesn't exist in His memory anymore. It might exist in your memory. It might exist in the memory of your friends. It certainly exists in the memory of your enemies. Okay? But it does not exist anymore in the, in the mind of God. Why? Because he said he'd forget. How does he do that? I don't know. One day, when we get to heaven, I will ask for a more detailed explanation. But right now, I am taking his word by faith. It's like saying, God, uh, you know what I confessed to you last week? It's still bothering me. And God tell us, what are you talking about? Oh God, what I confessed, remember? No, I don't remember. Okay? Why? Why? Why can I say that? Because he said it first. I mean, God never said that. I wouldn't say it. Right? 
And if God has chosen to forget it, it's bad manners to remind him of it. Hello? So we need to uh, be grateful because that's the grace of God. That's what we have in the new covenant. Grace opens up to us possibilities that never existed for us before. Had we existed in the Old Testament and we wanted to worship God, it would be kind of difficult because we were not Jews. Okay? But now in the New Testament, God has given us His salvation. How hard it is, is it to be able to enter into the kingdom of God. Did God say, you must climb seven mountains first. You must offer a perfect seven bull sacrifice on top of seven mountains for seven days during the seven months for the next seven years. I'm glad God didn't make it that way for us, right? I'm glad that Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again for us. He made it so simple. All we have to do is have faith in what he did for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? So we need to see that, church. Uh, the blessings God has given to us, it, it's been made available to us. We need to receive what God has given us by his grace. But at the same time, we need to hold fast to it and not allow the devil to steal that away from us. See, just to give you a very simplistic, it, our theme says the goal of personal salvation. Some people think salvation is just getting forgiven of our sins and, and you know, we get to do what we want here. Every time we, you know, forget, we just say sorry, God forgives us, then one day we die and we go to heaven. That's it. It's really more than that. Okay? The goal of that is for us to be able to learn His ways while we're living on the earth. He is grooming us. He is teaching us. He is training us to be co-rulers with Him when eternity comes. Right now, we know God is ruling and reigning. God is on the throne. Amen? But according to the book of Ephesians, it says that we have been raised up and we have been seated with Christ, where? In heavenly places. Where is Christ seated in heavenly places? On a throne, by the right hand of the Father. And the Word of God is telling us we are seated with Him there. And the Word of God tells us He's trained because one day, we will be ruling with him in heavenly places. Let me just give you a very quick, simplistic uh, overview of what's going to happen. Right now, this is the time that we know. But one day, okay, this time that we know will come to an end. Jesus Christ will come back again. He came back the first time. He came the first time. He'll come back the second time. When he comes for us, uh, those of us who will be alive at that time, if we happen to be alive at that time, uh, we'll have to wait because the people who died in Christ, wherever they're buried, okay, uh, their ashes might have been thrown into the sea. Uh, for some Christians, they were thrown to the wild animals. Uh, for some Christians, they were burned as torches. We don't know where the bodies died, okay? 
But somehow, one way or another, the ground is going to give up the dead in Christ. Somehow, by the word of God, their bodies, long corrupted, reduced to the dust, will be formed once again. Okay? And the spirits will, the spirits of the righteous will enter into the bodies once again. And they will burst from the ground. And they will rise up and meet the Lord in the air. And when they, and when the last one, okay, who rose from the grave meets the Lord in the air, it's our turn. Okay? I mean, if we happen to be alive during that time, we will rise and meet with the Lord in the air. Our bodies will be glorified. What does that mean? It will become just like the body of Jesus Christ right now. The, the, the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. You know, it, he can go through walls. He can just disappear and appear there. He can go to heaven and come back. Home. Right now our bodies cannot exist in heaven. It's made of flesh and blood. Okay? But the bodies we will have will be glorified. We can exist either in heaven or the earth. Hello, I'm getting this. Okay? There will be a large banqueting table. Okay? And the Lord will serve us as we serve Him here. Uh, and then, you know, we will be rewarded based on the works that we've done for Him. If we've lived a life that was written for us before we were born, we'll be rewarded for that. If we did not really fulfill that, then our rewards go to somebody else who did it, okay? But we'll be with him, okay? And then, there will be the great white throne judgment. What is the great white throne judgment? That's God judging the unrighteous dead, those who turn their backs on him, those who refuse to believe in him, those who refuse to walk and live as he did. And they will be judged. They will be shown exactly the reason why uh, they will not spend time with them. And you have, you have to understand: if you don't, if you, if your spirits, they don't just disappear. Hello, our spirits came from God. God is indestructible. Nothing can destroy God. And so, therefore, our spirits are indestructible. Also, they cannot be destroyed. Okay, so our spirits, whether we are in Christ or not, will live forever. But the question is, with whom and where? Okay, so if we have surrendered to God and we remain faithful to Him, then we will live our spirits with God forever in eternity in the kingdom of heaven, where there is no pain, there is no sickness. There is no failure, there is no suffering, there is one eternal, everlasting joy. Amen? But then, those who have turned their backs on the Lord, those who refuse to be under His authority, their spirits will spend time away from the presence of God. First in hell, being tormented by demons and fallen angels and then eventually in the lake of fire where even the demons and the 
fallen angels themselves will be tormented together with uh, those who turn their backs on the Lord. Okay? And, and it's going to be eternity. There will be no end to that. And then, according to the Holy Scriptures, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven is coming down to earth. And I don't know how it's going to look like. I don't know how it's going to feel. I don't know how things are going to operate. But it's going to be good. Heaven and earth together. Have you ever dreamed of a day when you wake up and you never get tired? Where you don't need to sleep and you're always full of energy? Where you don't, you know, you're not worried about missing teeth or missing hair? Hello? And you don't need glutathione. All of us will be shining by the sun. Hello? See, and not only that, somehow God is going to set up kingdoms, not just here. And he's going to appoint each and every one of you who will remain faithful to him and doing his work as managers, as CEOs, as rulers of what you're doing. And you are going to rule with him in eternity. The Bible says, he has made us a kingdom of priests. Jesus is the king of kings. He's going to make you a king. Hello? You can't see it, but it sounds like a fairy tale, right? Believe it's better than a fairy tale. It's true. Okay. Spend so much time there. Let's go to our lesson today. Uh, and I'll be quick, because it's a simple lesson. In Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10, two things I'd like to be able to share with you. Uh, the first one, I'm basing this in verse 1 to 7. Immediately take hold of the opportunities made available by God's grace. Immediately take hold of the opportunities made available by, by God's grace. Second thing I'd like to share with you, based in verse 8 to 10, is this. Hold fast. To what you have received but from his grace hold fast to what you have received from his grace let me just let's go back to the first thought immediately take hold of the opportunities made available by god's grace let me start reading from verse 1 chapter 19. then jesus entered and passed through jericho now behold when the bible says behold that means pay attention to this okay there's a lesson the lord wants to give to us Pay attention. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Okay? He was not just a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector. That means he was in charge of other tax collectors. Tax collectors were looked upon as traitors for the people. See, they're Jews working for the Romans uh, who occupied them. Okay? And, you know, if, like, let's say they're collecting taxes. And the tax for you from you is 100 pesos. They have to collect 100 pesos and give it to the Romans. Okay? So, how do they get paid? If they get 100 from you and give it back to the Romans, how do they get paid? They get paid by adding something. Yes, sir. So, let's say they want to make 50 pesos. So, you're being taxed 100, let's say. Your tax today is 150. 
So they get a tax of 150, they give 100 to the Romans, and they keep 50 for themselves. Okay? Now some of them were so greedy, they will, you know, if your tax is 100, they tax you 300. So they'll get 300 from you, get 100 to the road, keep 200 for them. Or, if you're working for a chief tax collector, you get 300, give 100 commission to the chief tax collector you're under. I mean, you're his downline. <laughs> you get it? He's, he's your, okay, he's your upline, you're his downline. And you want to give something, so you take 100 to him, give 100, give the 100 to the Romans, and you keep the rest for yourself, which is 100. And that's the reason why the Jews look at them as outcast dogs, traitors to their people, because they were working for the Romans, making life more miserable for their fellow men. They don't really get invited to parties. They really are not accepted within the synagogues. Because as far as some of the Pharisees or the spiritual leaders were concerned, they did not deserve heaven. Okay? So here was Zacchaeus. He was not just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. That means there are tax collectors working for him. And he was very rich. Can you imagine that? He made money out of the people. And because of that, he was rich and people were angry about that. And it says in verse 3, And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. So you have to understand something here. He could have said, Oh, Jesus coming along here, I, I don't want to see him. He might curse me. Or, I really don't care what he's offering. I'm making more than enough money right now. Why would I want spiritual things? Okay? But he says... But there was, the, you see, wherever Jesus is, grace was. And grace is not just for the special few. Grace is for everyone. Hello? And Zacchaeus understood that Jesus was willing to give him what the others would not. The others would not, they're not willing to give him another chance. But somehow, based on the stories he heard, maybe he heard about Matthew, the tax collector, being one of the apostles of the Lord, and he said, wow, if he gets accepted in heaven, I might have a chance. But the guy was short. <laughs> okay? He was not tall, and so, you know, when Jesus passing by, uh, he can't see because the people are there, and, you know, he might, try, he might have tried, excuse me, and like, say, oh, so stay there! You know? They didn't want to give him a chance, right? Because they didn't think he deserved a chance. So what does this rich guy do, the one who tries to give his dignity at least by his money? He climbs a tree. <laughs> he appears funny. He appears ridiculous. It's probably one of the most humiliating things that he did, but he was willing, you know, people might be looking at him and getting others' attention, laughing at him, making fun of him, you know, probably someone throwing pieces of bread or rotten apples at him. I don't know. But see, he was willing to do that because the grace of God was there. See, you need to understand, when God's grace comes to us, let's not look for excuses why we can't do it. 
Let's look for opportunities to receive the grace of God. In Tagalog, we say it this way, Pag gusto, may paraan. Pag ayaw, sang katerbang dahilan. Right? So, he could have made excuses, but no, he was not going to be deprived. He goes on the tree and, and, and he sees Jesus, and there's a desperation, a hope. It might be a little one, but he was looking at Jesus, and, and, and you know, God sees our hearts. And according to the Holy Scriptures in verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Whoa. How did Jesus Christ even know it? It was the word of knowledge working, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and by the statement that Jesus Christ said, it was an assignment that God gave to him. God knew that there was a man named Zacchaeus who was secretly hoping that he would have a chance to go to heaven. Despite the fact that the Pharisees said he had no chance. Despite the fact that his neighbor says he's better off dead. And he was thinking, does God even see me? Does God even see me? I remember the testimony of this one uh, preacher. And uh, he was preaching and uh, suddenly God brought his attention to an 80-year-old woman. And, and God said to this preacher, I want you to talk to that woman. I'm going to give her a word that would change her life. So he said, okay, lady, you stand up. God is going to give you a word. Now he was thinking, God, what do you want me to say to her? And so God says, you tell her, I saw you picking that duck. And he said, what's that again, Lord? Tell her, I saw her when he was picking that duck. Are you sure, Lord, that's what you want to say to her? I mean, how can that change her life? Look, just say what I told you to say to her. And so he was kind of nervous, and he says to this 80-year-old lady, uh, the, Lord, uh, the, Lord is, <clears throat> the Lord is wanting to, <clears throat> excuse me, the Lord is wanting to say to you that, uh, 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 he uh, he saw you when <clears throat> you were uh, 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 picking that duck, okay? And when he said that, the lady fell down. She was screaming. She was laughing. She was crying. And he was wondering what's going on here. And so the ushers helped the lady up. And when she calmed down, I said, what do you mean? What, what, why did you react that way? What, what did that mean to you? But she said, you know what, when I was in my 20s, I was working to help in the war effort, okay? And they asked us to collect feathers from ducks because it's going to be used somehow in the, in the war effort, this is World War II. And so one day, that's what she would do every day, she would go to the docks and she would get the ducks and pick up the, fe pick up the feathers from them. And it's a boring work. And, you know, she knows that some of her friends are having parties. She knows that some of her friends were getting married. 
She knows that some of her friends were getting on with their lives, and here she was speaking the feathers of the dark. And she said, Oh God, nobody even sees me. My friends don't see me. Do you even see me? That was her question. Now, why God answered when she was 80 years old, I don't know. But God said to her, I saw you when you were picking that guy. You understand what I'm saying? God sees us wherever we are, what we're going through, and he cares for us. And he saw the desperation that was in the heart of Zacchaeus. And he said to Jesus, Father said to Jesus, you're going to go there today, you're going to see a man, he's going to be in a tree, and nobody's, he's not welcome to anywhere, but you're going to tell him you're going to spend time in his house. And he says to Zacchaeus, I must spend time with you today. The verse is, so he made haste, Zacchaeus made haste, and came down and received him joyfully. Okay? See, one of the things we need to understand, when the grace of God has been given to us, do not hesitate to grab, take hold of what the grace of God has given you. Amen? So he did that. But then, verse 7, but when they saw it, for they, spiritual leaders, the neighbors, the people who were there, so when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. See, they were trying to remind him, you don't deserve this. Lord, you, you, you must have misheard. Can't be there. That guy's a jerk. That guy's a traitor. That guy is a shame and scandal to our Jewish community. You're eating in his, in his house? Okay? Now, Zacchaeus did not know Jesus Christ well enough to understand that even though they said that to him, they would, he would still come to his house. Okay? But somehow Zacchaeus felt he might change his mind. Alright? Because he didn't know Jesus well, well enough. Right? He didn't say to himself, you know what? If he leaves, then he leaves. Okay? I don't care. No. He already got, by the grace of God, the blessing of God. And now that he has it, he's not going to let any kind of hindrance, any kind of obstacle to steal that away from him. Amen? So he said in verse 8, and we're now in, in thought number 2, hold fast what you have received from his grace. Then Zacchaeus stood, verse 8, and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I gave half of my goods to the poor. And uh, if I have taken anything from anyone falsely by accusation, I will restore fourfold. In other words, Jesus, thank you for taking notice of me. Thank you for bringing salvation to my heart. You know what, Lord? I will not exchange this for anything else. My wealth? Yeah, I've gained this dishonestly. I've gained this from the back of my brothers. But you know, I'll give everything away. Now that you brought me into the kingdom, I'll give everything. I'll give half of my goods to the poor, and if I stole from someone, I'll give fourfold. That will leave him bankrupt. See, the book of Leviticus says if you're a thief and you stole something from that person, 
you're required to restore back or give back what you stole with one-fifth or 20% interest. So if you stole 100 pesos and you're caught, you give back the 100 plus 20 pesos. Okay? He was only required to give 20% of the interest plus the actual amount that he stole. But he says, Lord, I know that's what Leviticus says, but I'm not going to just be limiting myself there. If I stole 100 from this guy, I'll give back 400. It's going to leave him bankrupt. And he was saying, Lord, thank you for make, giving me a chance to get it. Thank you for the grace of God that has brought me to the kingdom. And now that I'm here, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let anything or anyone stop me from fulfilling the divine destiny that your grace has given to me. You understand what I'm saying? If I need to forgive someone, I will. If I need to sacrifice something, I will. If I need to do this, I will. Restore 100 plus 20% interest, I'll give fourfold. Okay? He was willing to fight for the blessing that God has given him. See, the second reading talks about the Lord as one. And it says that he will come with unrighteous signs and wonders. And it says he will deceive the whole world. But then it says there, the work of deception will only work for people who have hated the truth. And read that again. You, you read that, that passage again in our second reading. It says... God will give them over to the delusion of the enemy. God will give them over to a spirit of deception because they did not love the truth. In other words, God gave them the truth, but they rejected the truth. God gave them the truth, but they turned their backs against it. God gave them the truth, but they thought the lie was better. And they chose the lie over the truth. And God is saying, because they did not love the truth, I will not protect them from the deception of the enemy. They will believe that with their heart and with their soul. They will follow the devil wherever he goes. And one day when the devil is condemned, they will share in his eternal condemnation. You understand what I'm saying? That's what it's saying there. Because they did not love the truth, God has given them over to the spirit of delusion. There is no protection against the delusion of the devil if we do not love the truth that God has given to us. You understand what I'm saying? Zacchaeus discovered the truth and now that he has it, he's not going to exchange it for anything else. Okay? Remember what I told you earlier? God's plan for you. That's God's divine destiny for you. To become a co-ruler with him. In eternity. Okay? But the devil wants to steal that from you. 
He, you know, he, he feels, the devil feels that what God has given to us belongs to him. And if he's not going to get it, he's going to try to prevent us from getting it. You understand? So, you know, first, he will try to make us lose our rewards. He will try to say to us, why remain faithful in your commitment to your ministry? Don't you know that you're missing out on life? Your friends are enjoying themselves. Get a life. I mean, you're always doing that. You know, don't have a life. And so we might give up on ministry. We lose our rewards. And so one day, when we come before the Lord our God and we come before the platform, you know, there will be an accounting. We will find the rewards that he has set for us. But we forfeited those because we chose to, to, to pursue another thing. We didn't deny him. Okay? We didn't spit on his name. We didn't. But we decided, you know, Lord, I just would rather do this. I'd rather enjoy the life I have. But Lord, I'll still come to church. I'll go to church. I'll bring people to you. And, you know, I'll just have a maintenance mentality. Do just enough to remain in the kingdom. Those rewards, devil feels are his. But since he's not getting that, he'll try to convince you that life out there is more exciting, so you lose your reward. If he's not going to get it, he'll try to make you lose it. Hello? Then, if he got you there, if he got you believing that one particular lie, he'll try to go one step higher. He'll try to tell you, you know, this, this Jesus thing that you have? You know, wh wh why can't you just do, you know, what your friends are doing? See, see, the world is offering you this. Why are you holding on to this promise of eternity? How sure are you that it's even an eternity? Okay? How sure are you that that bishop who preaches very long sermons is even telling you the truth? How does he know? Why waste your life on future things that you're not even sure of when you can have the world at your fingertips right now? And all you have to do is bow down before me and I'll give you the words. It's a win-win situation. And if you believe that, not only have you lost your rewards, you would have lost your salvation. See, because he thought that belonged to him. Why would he think that that belonged to him? Because once upon a time, he was called Lucifer, the most beautiful angel there was. He was doing work in the mountain of God. At one point in time, he loved God. Passion. But because of his beauty, because of his skill, because of... He was... He became proud. He was in charge of bringing glory to God, and instead of giving glory to God, he was thinking, I deserve some of this glory. Why would I give all of these things to God when I am also... <laughs> Okay? And, you know, pride cometh before a fall. He became proud, and he started fighting against God. He thought, he thought that he would raise his, his chair, his throne above the throne of God. And he was cast out of heaven. 
From that time on, he's an enemy of God. And he thinks that what God has given to us belongs to him. And since he's not going to get it, he's trying to prevent us from getting it. We will not allow him. Amen? Jesus Christ says, hold on, hold fast to your crown. Let no man take your crown from you. Do not allow the enemy to convince you. Allow the truth. God will protect you from the lie. Amen? Amen? If you learned something today, praise God, let's all stand together.